2,700 years before Jesus broke into our time to be the Savior of the world, the prophet Isaiah told us that he would come, writing, there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, God brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he will make glorious the way to the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Let us proclaim that light and receive it as we reflect the light of Jesus Christ, the God of the universe. Let those who are able stand, but come now together. Let us reflect that light as we worship the living God. Thank you. Lord Jesus, when we were all alone, you came to our home for Christmas. And we praise you for that. We praise you for being the perfect gift once and for all. And we pray that as we return these gifts to you, other people may know that perfect gift that you are, that takes away all sin, that lightens all darkness, and gives us hope forever that we will always be home for Christmas in you. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. To uh, the elder, elder uh, Spradley's comment, I think it's only fitting to... Uh, disclosed that because he did not get home for Christmas in 1951, Mrs. Spradley did not vote for General Eisenhower in 1952 or in 1956. <laughs> Just saying. Am I right, Kurt? God loves us so much. And in this season, we learn that in so many different ways, and we're staying right here in John's Gospel because it is just the perfect way to see the cosmic nature of what God has done for us in coming to find us in Jesus Christ. Listen to John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20, God's word to us as we prepare to come and receive that great gift of his life poured out for us. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to Jesus, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I have come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then, he, then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. 
Jesus spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May God take this reading, write it upon our hearts, and bring us the direction of his Holy Spirit as we attend to it. Let us pray. Father, let your good news come now and find us. Shine your light upon us in our dark places. Give us courage to hear and hearts to follow that your good news would come with the full assurance of your Holy Spirit and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be truly acceptable in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock and you are our salvation. All these things we pray, Lord Jesus, in your strong name. Amen. We are in John's Gospel, and it is in John's Gospel that Jesus says, I am. Following worship last week during coffee hour, Paul Seaman asked me, how many times in John's Gospel does Jesus say, I am that I am. Because when any time Jesus says, I am, the bread of life, the light of the world, he is saying, as I pointed out last week, the words that Moses was given to speak. When Moses asked, who shall I say sent me? God said, tell them I am that I am. And every time Jesus says, I am, he says in the Greek, ego emi. It means I am that I am. It is a very distinct statement that he's saying, I am the God of the universe. Paul wanted to know how many times. So rather than count, I just asked Google. (laughs) I cheated. Faster. 23 times. 23 times in the Gospel of John. There aren't even 23 chapters in the Gospel of John. So more than every chapter, Jesus says, I am that I am. You see, John lifts up how Jesus discloses his identity that is both cosmic but also very personal because he's saying to every single one of us for every single situation in which we find ourselves, I am that I am exactly who you need in this season. So as we enter this season of Advent, meaning coming, revelation, It's a perfect time to consider what it means that Jesus comes into our setting to be everything for our darkness, everything for our darkness, everything for our hunger, everything for our loss of direction, and where everything that we need is found. Now, this is a season of giving. Probably some of you have already started in your Christmas shopping. You've probably already purchase some of those gifts for people. Jesus is the greatest gift. I want to say that right now. Jesus is the greatest gift the world could ever receive and every one of us. We get to discover that, not just once, but in every chapter of our lives, in every situation, in every circumstance, no matter what's going on. But particularly, we get to discover that Jesus is the greatest gift when things get the darkest, when things are really troubling, when we've lost a loved one, when we're facing surgery, 
when it feels like nothing's going right. Because the reality is, life does get dark, doesn't it? Things go wrong. Things get upside down. We don't know what to do. It feels like there's nothing that can be done. So, at the risk of sounding like a broken recording, no matter what we give this year, let's be sure that with, with every gift we give, no matter what the gift is, that we all give a flashlight, okay? Every gift we give needs to have a flashlight. All right, there it is. One like this, and get one for yourself too, okay? Look, you can hang it in your closet, put it in all kinds of places. It does all kinds of things. You know why? You know, I'm serious. You know why I want you to give one of these flashlights because I own stock in Harbor Freight? No. Because <laughs> Harbor Freight gives them away, so they're losing money anyway. I want you to give one of these with every gift. This is the cool part. Because no matter what it is that they open, people will go, so what's with the flashlight? And that's where you get to say, well, yeah, yeah, I, th that, in fact, um, the thing you, you think you got for, for the gift from me, that's just kind of the side thing. The flashlight is your real gift. It's to remind you that when you are in the dark about anything, and I know this happens, you say this to them, when you're in the dark about something, and I know you are at times, because I am too, Jesus, Jesus is really there to light up the way and to show you where you need to be. In fact, he is the light, and I've experienced him this way. And then you tell them just how Jesus has lit up your darkness, how he has been your light. Whoa, now you might say, isn't that about coming on as subtly as a frying pan up the side of the head? Yeah, it is. Because, you see, Jesus wasn't subtle. How many times do you say, I am the light of the world? 23, easy to remember, 23rd Psalm. Jesus was not subtle. He was overt. He didn't want us to miss it. That's why he said, I'm the light of the world. I am lighting up what is missing, and I am coming to take care of that. He didn't want to be subtle. He didn't want to be tactful because we were in trouble. And we need to stop and consider how he dealt with us and how he deals with the human story. Jesus made it very clear that we are in the dark without him, period. And I want you to notice that it, it is this, and in every one of the times that he said, I am that I am, that he did not say, I am all the things that the world has been shopping for. He said, rather, I am the one who defines the situation and then meets the need. He did not say, I am the gift card for your favorite store. He did not say, I am a visa card with no limit. He did not say, I am all the things that your sensation addicted spirits grope for. I am here to be your next fix. No. He said, I am God. 
I am God. Fully and completely standing before you. Coming into the midst of whatever it is that's missing in your life. And I am illuminating that because I am your completion. I am what is missing in your life. I am the one who has come to show you the way home. Talk about being home for Christmas. I am the one, he said, who has come to show you the way home because I am home. I am home, Jesus said. I am the light for your path and the lamp for your way. When you walk in me, you will not stumble. You will not fall. I am the one whose batteries are not only included, but whose batteries never need to be charged. I find it significant, and I think you will too, that John tells us precisely where Jesus was in the temple when he said this. Think about it. Where was he? In the treasury, the vault, Fort Knox, the place where human hope was placed, even as it masqueraded as something spiritual. He said that because he knew that where our hearts are, there will our treasure be also. Jesus cut into the, the heart when he said, you know what? You're using human standards to judge, but we don't need a human judgment for hope because the reality is our, our needs exceed any human measurement. What Jesus came right out and told them was that they needed who he was. And who he was was not money, not power on human standards. It was the light of the world. Now, the word used for light in the original Greek is an interesting word. It's phos, P-H-O-S. It's from which we get phosphorescent. The reality is Jesus was that light that absorbs light and glows in the darkness no matter how dark things are. When all the lights get turned off, if you've ever seen something that was phosphorescent, it glows and it glows. Jesus is beyond that. What is our darkness? There's a good question. What is our darkness and how do we need to let Jesus shine into that darkness? The two biggest mistakes we can make are embodied in this exchange, these few verses. The first mistake is to think that we aren't totally in the dark without any means of light. And the second is to think that because of who we are and the resources we have, that we can find our way out of any situation, that we don't need a flashlight. And you know what a mistake that is. Anytime you've tried to walk in the dark without a flashlight thinking, oh, I know exactly the way to the bathroom. I know exactly where I'm going. Sure as you do that, what happens? You fall and break something and hurt yourself. Part of this is pride. Part of this is pride. And the other part is shame. And the two are closely tied together. We are ashamed to say we don't know as much as we think we do. And we're too prideful to admit it. The Pharisees were too prideful to admit their distance from God. And the reason for this is the fact of their shame. Think about it. Even the most honest of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, remember him a few chapters back? 
would only come to Jesus when? In the dark, yeah. The powerful invitation of this encounter is to come out and say, I am lost. I am lost. I am in the dark. I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't think this is anything I can do something about, but you can. You show me, Jesus. You see, what we can miss in these two failings is that Jesus came because he knew what we would not admit, and that is that he is who we need. He knew the particulars of our stories. He knows your story. He knows my story. He knows where we're sad, hurting, lost, lonely, prideful, arrogant, resistant. He knows the universality of humanity. He knows that's true of everyone. That we are lost and need him to be our hope and our light for our darkness in those places where we hide. If you've ever been to a place like Carlsbad Caverns or maybe Lehman Caves out at Great Basement, you know what this is about. You can put your hand in front of your face, touch your nose with it, and you cannot see anything. You would not know your hand is there unless it were touching your, your nose. You, and in that, you, in, within a matter of seconds, when all those lights go out, you lose all sense of direction. All sensory deprivation settles in. Depth perception is gone. You don't dare move. Not only do you not know the terrain, you know that in that moment, you are completely disoriented. That is our human condition from which we try to hide. But ironically, it hides us. The good news of the gospel, of this advent, that is reflected in these words of Jesus of Nazareth, is that God came looking for us when we had lost all sense of direction and were about to step off of a cliff, or worse. He has come calling out our name. Calling out our name in the darkness. He has come defining our hurt. He's come defining the distance. And he's come to love us back into the light of his love with the laser beam of his judgment that says, it is dark here, and only I can preserve you from the edge of death and being separated from me. Come here, he says. Come here. I've got you. This is the gift God gave in coming to be the light for our darkness. Do we want this light? Do we want our need illuminated? Will we let it show us the way home? This is what the gospel asks of us, to be received and is illustrated by a very poignant story that I heard recently from a man named Paul Tripp. I, I heard him at a conference, and he tells this story on himself. He says one weekend, he gave his son permission to spend the whole weekend at a friend's house. But during the weekend, he received a call from the friend's mother informing him that the son was not at their home because the boy that had promised to cover for, his, for Paul's son felt guilty about it and owned up to it. So Paul went and told his wife about their son's deception, and he said, 
my wife could feel my anger, and she said, I think you need to pray. He said, I don't think I can pray for our son right now. And she said, I don't mean for you to pray for him. I, need, I mean for you to pray for yourself. You're going to hurt somebody. And most likely it's going to be you. So he said, I, I went to my bedroom to pray for God's help. And it hit me that because of God's love, God had already begun a work of rescue in my son's life and in my life. God was the one who pressed in on the conscience of my son's friend, causing him to confess to his mom. God brought that about. God was the one who gave her the courage to make that difficult call to me. And God was the one giving me time to get a hold of myself before my son came home and I hurt him, verbally or otherwise. Now, rather than wanting to rip into my son after this, I wanted to be a part of what this God of grace was doing in this moment of rebellion, deception, hurt, and disappointment because I realized in that moment that I was exactly the same person as my son. And giving his son a couple of hours to relax upon his return, he just waited, he didn't say anything. He asked if he could talk to him and he said, sure. He said, son, do you ever think about how much God loves you? Sometimes, he said. Do you ever think about how much God's grace operates in your life every day? The son looked up, but he couldn't speak. Do you know how much God's grace was working in your life even this weekend? Who told you, his son asked. Have you lived your life you have you have lived your life in the light you've made good choices you've been an easy son to parent but this weekend you took a step toward the darkness you can live in the darkness if you want you can learn to lie and deceive you can use your friends as your cover you can step over god's boundaries or you can determine to live in god's Light, I'm pleading with you, don't live in the darkness, live in the light. As I turned to walk away, Paul wrote, I heard his voice from behind me saying, Dad, don't go. As I turned around with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Will you help me? My friends, as we look at what God is offering us here today, in Jesus Christ, in this season, in these fleeting days of our lives, in our darkness, may these be our words. Father, I want to live in your light. It's hard. Will you help me? As we pray and live this, may we be assured that God will because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. And may we be that light reflected to the world of Jesus, calling us home for Christmas and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we need only you. For you are everything. And we need your light to shine upon everything we are facing. 
be that light and let us live for you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge because we've been here, you've, you've lit up our lives in a very positive way. And we praise you that we know because we've been here what we really need, and that's who we really need, you. And we praise you that because we've received this, we know that nothing less will satisfy. Let that be evident to us and through us for your glory because we've been here today. Let us go from this place rejoicing with new light and hope to share with a world that walks in darkness. Let them see the light of this table shining out through us for your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now stand and receive God's benediction. Now I'm going to be calling Harbor Freight tomorrow and asking if there was a run on flashlights. I want you all to take me seriously about that. Because remember, we go nowhere by accident. Where we go, God is sending us. Where we are, Lord has a purpose in our being there. Because Jesus Christ indwells us, he has something he wants to do through us where we are. May we believe it and joyfully, therefore, go in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the love of God the Father, in the communion and the fellowship and the equipping power of God's Holy Spirit every single step of the way.